Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the road to Emmaus. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. All right, I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. I have Bob Hope and Pink Crosby <laughs> singing, We're Off on the Road to Emmaus in my head. <laughs> Too bad we don't have the ability to play that. We don't oh, I have the know. rights, right? It's not the road to Morocco. <laughs> it is the road to Emmaus. And please, where does this come from in the Bible? This comes from the book of Luke. We're back in the Gospels. Okay. But it is the same author as the road to Damascus story that we heard last week about Saul's conversion. Okay. So this is a road to Emmaus instead of Damascus. And it happens in Luke chapter 24. Okay, so tell me, where then does this fall in the story? Because it's a little chronologically off, at least given where we started last week. Right. Maybe we should have done the podcast in the flip, but possibly. Oh well. <laughs> so we have the crucifixion and death of Christ, resurrection story. The women go to the tomb, find it empty, and then they run back to the other disciples and tell them about it. And the disciples think that it is an idle tale. Mm. And Peter takes off and runs to the tomb as well, just looks in. He doesn't actually enter into the tomb, but he looks in and he sees the cloths laying there folded. Okay. And that the tomb is empty. That same day, two figures were walking away from Jerusalem. Okay. So this is the morning of the resurrection. Two random people. Two people are walking from Jerusalem back to Emmaus. Okay. And they are deeply sad. So this story is happening long before Saul's conversion. Okay. Right? We haven't gotten even to really seeing Jesus' resurrected body yet in the Gospel of Luke. When no, we get they just this know a couple of people died on a cross, which is right. kind of sad. Exactly. They just watched Jesus die on the cross, and then the women had come back that morning and said that the tomb is empty and that there were these lightning-wrapped angels who were saying, why are you looking for the living among the dead? But depending on the speed of gossip and who they're talking, these two individuals may or may not have heard that. They did hear that. They did hear that. They did hear that. They were there when the women came back. We know that because as they're walking along the road, very sad and discussing between each other all the things that had happened. Okay. A stranger comes and joins them. I said, what are you talking about? And they said, well, Jesus of Nazareth, who just died well who is that <laughs> who are you like you you know nothing like what are you talking about and so they explained to this stranger what had happened that who jesus was and that he had been arrested and he was killed and that this morning the women in our group came back saying that his tomb was empty and saying that angels said to look for him not among the dead, that he was among the living. And we don't understand this, and we're going home. And some of the most beautiful words in this particular scripture section that catch me are the words, we had hoped that he would be the one to free us. Mm, past tense. We had hoped that he would be the one. And so then this figure says, well, do you not know what any of this means? And they said, no. And then the figure begins to explain to them, tell them the story of the scriptures and beginning with Genesis, kind of walking alongside of them, telling them all the stories in the scripture that point to how God's Messiah is one that will die and come back. 
and tells this story and the story of the suffering servant and all these pieces along the road as they're going. So they travel these three together and they come to a fork in the road. They come to a branch and the two traveling together are going to take one branch and the stranger begins to move as if to go to the other one. And they said, oh, come with us. Come to our home, Middle Eastern hospitality. Sure. Come to our home and have dinner with us. It's getting late. Come stay with us tonight and have dinner. And so the stranger goes with them to their house. And they sit down at the dinner table together. And an oddity is that the stranger takes over the table blessing, which is strange. Normally, the stranger wouldn't necessarily do the table blessing. But the Mm -hmm. stranger takes over the table blessing, gives the blessing of the meal, takes the bread and breaks it. And when the bread is broken, the two realize that this is Jesus with them. All of a sudden, Jesus disappears. And the two look at each other and say, were our hearts not burning when he told us the stories? This is Jesus come back to life. And they take off running back to Jerusalem, running back to the disciples and told them everything. We met the stranger on the road. He told us the stories. Our hearts were burning. It's incredible. Jesus is risen. And this is the first resurrection visitation of Christ in the book of Luke. Wow. Yeah. It's a cool story. Very, very cool story. I'm sorry. I'm still hung up on breaks the bread and then disappears. I know, right? Because that's a pretty cool trick. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Bamf out. (laughs) So if this is the first, Mm -hmm. what other funky (laughs) pop in, pop out (laughs) disappearances does he make? I think that in the Gospel of Luke, and I'll be honest, I didn't double check before we came up to the recording studio, he shows up and they have breakfast and food together. And I believe that this is the one where in order to prove to them that he's not a ghost, he eats. Oh, okay. So it's not just, he can't just bamf around. He is a human body. Fascinating. That returns. So what does it mean that it's just two random people that he shows up to? Is that just... We're supposed to be the random people, and here it is. Believe it. There's a lot of conversation about that among scholars. Okay. (laughs) And there's actually some really fascinating conversation about whether or not oftentimes this is depicted as two men walking. Sure. That makes sense historically. Right. Except that many people are now proposing. It says that Clopas is on the walk, and so it's like can't remember if it's C-L-E-O-P-A-S or C-L-O-P-A-S, but the names of the individual, there's also at the foot of the cross, a Mary, the wife of Clopas. Mm. And so there's a question that says, perhaps this is a couple, a man and a woman who are walking away and going home together. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's further wonderings by scholars talking about whether or not this is actually a relative of Christ. Oh, interesting. That would this be, I think it's an aunt and a brother-in-law kind of a thing. Like, are these Mary's relatives? So that work, you can find Len Sweet is one of the ones, the guy who I did my doctorate work with. He's Uh one of the ones who's been kind of looking into this and researching and those kinds of pieces around this. But it's an interesting piece to ponder. So if this is a couple walking away and it's a couple that's been present and perhaps one of these women who have been very present at the foot of the cross and one of the women who 
have helped to bankroll sure. Christ and Jesus and the itinerant preachers, right? So there's just some wondering about who these individuals are. But any which way, regardless of who we decide these individuals really are, we have this couple walking away in fear and in sadness, who've given up on the hope that God is bigger than death, who have given up on the dream that God's healing can change the world, who have given up hope, right? We had hoped that he would be the one. And into that place of sadness and depression and loss and grief and anger and turmoil and frustration and all of the things that we feel when our dreams are crushed in front of us, Christ comes. Jesus shows up. And I think people lean into this story and find such beauty in the road to Emmaus because it's not that all of a sudden Jesus shows up like in Saul's case, it was lightning on the road, knocking him down, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, knocking him off his high horse. In this case, Jesus shows up as a companion on the way and is just present in the grief alongside and is invited to come to dinner and accepts the invitation, doesn't force anything, doesn't talk down to them or berate them for not believing, just shows them the story and then feeds them. And it's a beautiful image of accompaniment. It's a beautiful image of finding and being present alongside and with those who are lost and sad and hopeless and just being present with and trusting that in the breaking of bread, we will see Christ. We Mm -hmm. will see Jesus with and among us. Now, as someone who famously does not recognize faces and people, Uh even though Oprah's walking right by me. (laughs) I'm heartened by the fact... Did that really happen? Yes, it did. Oh, lovely. (laughs) I'm heartened by the fact that there's no time limit. There's no, well, you didn't recognize me by this point, so you're out of luck. Right. That it was okay that they didn't recognize him from the get-go. Yeah. Because that would be me. (laughs) (laughs) And Len talks about why he supposes that it's seen in the breaking of the bread. And that's because when you break bread and you hold it out, that the wounds in the wrists would have been seen. Oh, interesting. Right? Sure. And that is an interesting image to kind of play with and wonder about. Is that when they realized because all of a sudden they could see the wounds? And again, then it harkens to the Gospel of John, where they recognized Christ by his woundedness, Mm -hmm. which is a whole other podcast, right? That Jesus doesn't come back fully, you know, healthy and good and clean or doesn't Mm -hmm. even come back scarred with everything healed over. Jesus is resurrected with a wounded body. And why does that even matter? We could talk about that in a whole other podcast. And we will. In the breaking of the bread and in the revealing of the wounds, possibly... In that moment, Christ is recognized. Jesus is there. Well, and I'm fascinated that that's when you go. I mean, why not stay a little longer? I know, right? Talk a little more. Yeah, I don't get that part either. I don't get the bamfing out. Like, I get ghosting. Like At the end of the day, if Uh I'm really tired, I can totally get, like, just going to sneak out the back door. I don't want to spend the extra 25 minutes saying bye. Uh And I'm also an introvert, so... Well, yeah, but he took over, right? But he just totally disappears. Fascinating. And they go running back. Man, 
Yeah, I would not be day. so quick to turn around. Like maybe take a nap. Maybe go to bed and go in the morning. Like, I don't know. There's a little bit of danger traveling at night with two of them together. Yeah, but at the same time, had that happened to me, I'd have been a little freaked out. Would I would you? probably want to go back and to talk city? to people. <laughs> go hunt down those ladies. It wasn't an idle tale. And go, yeah. Where are they? okay, tell me again. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pretty exciting. It's a cool story. I have come to appreciate it more. Is it one that you enjoy preaching on when it comes up? And I don't know. Is this a every three year thing? I think it is an every three year thing, which I wish it was this year because it's the Gospel of Luke year. But we're spending a ton of time in John for the next couple of weeks or throughout these months. But I am going to get to preach on it this year. Okay. And we're taping before it. But I think this might be actually the week after that this gets published. I'm preaching a consecration service for a deacon Aww. that has chosen this passage Fantastic. for the gospel passage for their consecration rite, which is absolutely fitting and awesome. <laughs> so Wonderful. I hope I can do justice on the sermon. All right. That's going to lead me to my last question. Of the post-resurrection stories, mm-hmm. is this your favorite? Mm, it is one of. Okay. But I don't think it's my favorite. I have just gotten so captured, ironically, by the Gospel of John's resurrection account and Mary in the Garden and the Gardener. Okay. That that probably is my favorite right now. But I'm starting to kind of look at these post-resurrection accounts and compare them and dig into them a little bit more. What makes Mary in the Gardener better? Um, because I'm sitting across from you, so I get to see the body language, the body language of the breaking <laughs> of the bread and then the opening and yeah, seeing the wrists. That's pretty darn that's cool. That's pretty powerful. It's very powerful. I think that I resonate a lot with the Mary in the Garden because of the book I wrote okay. during my doctorate. Sure. And I spent a lot of time on that particular sermon that I wrote for that one called Tomb Breaker. And just the imagery of Christ very gently saying her name and her recognizing Christ through him saying her name. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a beautiful moment, that moment of knowing someone's voice enough that even in the midst of rage and grief and ugly crying and everything that would come from the fury and anger at thinking that tomb writers had come and taken Jesus, mm-hmm. that she could hear that and the whole world would shift and change. And Mary Magdalene is freaking awesome. Uh-huh. So, and the farther along I go in my own ministry, the more and more I appreciate her. So sure. I think that that's also part of it. But this account, this road to Emmaus has become very much less of a, like a personal, I want that moment, which I think is why I resonate with the Mary and the gardener. Sure. That I long for that moment when Jesus says my name and I hear it and I know it's going to be okay. And so That, I think, is my personal piece. But as far as example of how to live all of this and how to do it, how to be a follower of the way with integrity, the road to Emmaus is a huge, beautiful story because I think it shows us how Christ wants us to be. I think it shows us Jesus authentically engaging in post-crucifixion ministry and in beautiful ways. So that's where I'm finding the road to Emmaus sets in this I'm just not that entranced by, like, I. It, it's a beautiful passage when Jesus sits down with Peter and 
do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Like, <laughs> like it's lovely, but it doesn't have the same kind of resonance for me as either knowing God's voice or seeing how Jesus walks the ministry. Sure. Those are pretty powerful stories. Well, that's utterly fair. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the road to Emmaus. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining us. It would be wonderful to hear from you. If you ever wish to reach out to us, we can be emailed at podcast at centralportland.org, or you can find us on Facebook. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you, no matter what.